All right, ladies, I hope you've had some great time to discuss together. This is our last evening of the Philippians study. So I'm so glad you're all here to share with us. And before we begin, I want to take some time and just do a recap of what we've learned, because this has been a great study. And I don't know about you, but I have learned so much. So as we look over, do you remember chapter one? And we talked about Paul was writing this letter to express his gratitude for the partnership that he had with the church in Philippi. They are united in their identity and their purpose. Do you remember that picture that Sarah put up on the screen of the search and rescue team? All those people working together for the same thing. In chapter two, we talked about the perfect example that we have of Christ and his humility and how we can be humble and unite together with the mind of Christ. And in chapter three, Sarah taught us last week how we put on the righteousness of Christ. And now we're gonna open up to chapter four. And the very first word in chapter four is therefore which means we actually have to back up a little bit and find out what Paul is basing chapter four on. So I'm gonna point you backwards to chapter three, verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as Paul is writing chapter four, he's reminding the Philippians of their identity they have put on the righteousness of Christ, and they are citizens now in heaven. And he's gonna end this letter. It's sort of like when you hang up a phone call, right? Have you ever been on the phone, maybe ordering a pizza or something, and right as you hang up, you say, love ya, and then you're like, oh my goodness, I just told the pizza guy that I love him. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know him, and that's not appropriate because of our relationship, right? So any time that we're talking to someone, we need to keep in mind their identity and our relationship with them and keep it appropriate. So as Paul is hanging up the phone with these Philippians, look at how he addresses them. He is saying, I love you. And that's good. And that's appropriate because he's saying, you are my dear brothers whom I love and long for. You're my joy and crown. He has found it to be such a blessing that he was able to share the gospel with them and to begin to see them grow in their faith. And he says two important words to them. He says, stand firm. Stand firm then in your partnership with one another. Stand firm as you follow the example of Christ and you go out in humility being unified together. Stand firm in the fact that you have this identity of Christ's righteousness. The Philippians need that reminder because just like you and I, they're human. And they forget to live out their identity in Christ's righteousness, in unity with one another. Well, we see that right away in verse 2. Paul talks about two women within the church. He says, I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntec to agree in the Lord. These two women in the church of Philippi were not living 
in harmony with one another. They were not living in a good partnership. And Paul had heard about their disunity all the way in his prison cell and thought that it was necessary to even write to them and address them specifically and say, unite, agree in the Lord. And not only these two women, but he calls in the elders of the church saying, help these women agree in the Lord. It's so important because any church has a mission. We're here for a purpose. We're here to spread the gospel. And so if we have two women who cannot get along, we're not gonna be able to accomplish that mission. We're gonna disqualify our work. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. By the way that you love one another, that you work in partnership with one another. Let's bring it home. What's our, what's our mission here at Candeo? That we're helping people find their greatest joy in Jesus. But what if amidst our church, what if amidst our connection groups or our friend groups, we were so busy using all of our energy on cattiness or clickiness or maybe even growing up roots of jealousy so that we can't even rejoice with a fellow sister in the work that she's doing. That's not gonna be helping people find their greatest joy in Jesus. Our church is gonna know it, and the people around us are gonna know it. If we wanna help people find their greatest joy in Jesus, we need to have our greatest joy in Jesus. We need to rejoice. And that's what he says in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That reasonableness is gentleness and patience. Let's let that be the thing that's flowing out of us. And let's let the world around us see the partnership that we can have when we can agree in the Lord. And that the gospel is worth that hard work of reconciling with our sisters. Paul goes on in verse five and he says, the Lord is at hand. That means the Lord is near. This is one of the attributes of God. It's his imminence. God is near to us. So he didn't just create the world and walk away and say, good luck, I'll see you later. God is near to us. And that has a big implication for our life because that's not the end of his sentence. He says, the Lord is at hand, the Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything. We don't have to be anxious because the Lord is near to us. And when he talks about anxiousness, He's talking about this circumstantial anxiety that these Philippian believers would be experiencing because of the things going on that they're facing. Imprisonment, persecution, beatings, loss of their social status, all of those things. He's talking about how that anxiety is going to affect their hearts and their minds. But he is not talking about a clinical anxiety here. 
So I just want to be clear about that. Because we are whole beings. And just as much as there is a mind and a heart, there is also a very physical part of our body. And anxiety can have a big effect on that as well. But he's saying about generally this um, general term of anxiety being this worry or fear or concerns over their circumstances. He's saying you do not need to worry about things because the Lord is at hand. And in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you can present your requests to God. This is very similar to 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, where he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. When we cast all of these anxieties that we have onto the Lord, we are humbling ourselves. Because when we're casting them up, what we're saying is that we are recognizing and acknowledging that God, you are sovereign. That you have all these things already in your hand. That you are near to us. That's his imminence. And that you care for us. And when we do that, when we humble ourselves before God in those truths, he says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, there's a peace of God that we can have because we've been reconciled to him through his son Jesus. And that's God's peace. But we can sort of understand that to some extent. So that's not this peace, because this is a peace that doesn't make any sense to us at all. And that sort of peace comes when we have all these circumstances in our life, and we look at them and we're like, I don't even know, like, this is unexpected. Like, this just is a bomb that exploded in my life, and I, I didn't see it coming, and I don't know what to do with it. And I don't know, honestly, how this could ever be good. But I can present it to God. I can say, God, take this from me. You are sovereign. You are good. You are imminent. And you care for me. And when we can say those things, we can have peace. We can have peace that doesn't make any sense. Because why would we have peace in these circumstances? How could we go through a hard trial and say, the Lord is near. My God is at hand. I sat in a hospital room holding a baby boy, not knowing if he would live or die, and grieving the, the hopes and dreams that I had for my child. And in that moment, I had all of these circumstances that didn't make any sense, that I, I wasn't expecting. I thought I would have a healthy delivery, and this would be great, and my son would grow up and have a normal life. But that's not what happened. And so in all of those circumstances, I had to cast that to the Lord. I said, I don't know what to do with this, but I do know that you are sovereign, and I do know that you are good, and I do know that you are near and that you care for me. And somehow in that, there was peace. 
There's the peace of God that doesn't make any sense. That's the peace that passes all understanding. And it's going to guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. Martin Luther has a great quote about this. He says, you cannot keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. There are going to be circumstances in your life all the time that you just weren't expecting that sudden car repair. You weren't expecting you know, this relational uh, you know, disagreement to come up at the worst possible time, it seems like. That's going to happen in life. But when it does, what do we do with it? Do we let those birds land and build a nest in our hair? Or do we shoo them away with the truth that God is sovereign, God is good, God is imminent, he's near to us, and he cares for us. We can filter our thoughts through this Philippians 4 filter in verse 8 and 9 that he gives us. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I love Jake's sermon on Sunday when he was talking about family worship and using songs to get the word of God stuck in your head. This is a hymn book that we would use, and it's just very simple songs for young children, and so they were easy enough for me to play on the piano, and that's why we chose this one. <laughs> but this song would often get stuck in my head, and I remember one particular day when I was doing the dishes, and I had all of the cares and the anxieties of the world. I had just a whole pile bigger than my dishes, and as I was washing those dishes, I just kept repeating the song in my mind, not thinking about it at first, but then all of a sudden it's like, what am I singing to myself? God will take care of you. Through every day or all the way, he will take care of you. Let's get the words of God stuck in our heads so that those birds can't be building nests there. Paul then goes on in verses 10 through 20. Just say thank you again to those Philippians for their support, for their partnership with him in the gospel. He says, yes, that he has learned to be content in all circumstances, and yes, he has been casting his cares and anxieties onto the, the Lord, but God has always provided the means for him. And one of the ways that he provided for Paul was through the Philippians. So he's thanking them for being the means that God used. And so tonight, Candeo, we are going to be the means for some of our partners in ministry. We have some great missionaries who our church has sent out. And right now, tonight, we're going to take some time and we're going to send some cards of encouragement to them. We're going to lift up some prayers for them or just words that would encourage them and let them know that they have partners, that we love them and care for them and want to come alongside them. And so 
Arne's going to hand out some cards, but let me tell you a little bit about our missionaries. So we have Hannah and Ellie right now that are still serving over in Southeast Asia. And then we also have Bree and Ashley who have recently come home. And then there's a very unique situation that's going on with global missions right now that I don't know has ever been like this. And it's due to the coronavirus. So we have a team, Shannon, Natalie, Bethany, Lauren, and Alyssa, who have very suddenly needed to return home to the United States. Now they were, they were planning to stay longer in Southeast Asia but the country has been closed to them and they needed to come home and they don't know that they will be allowed to get back in. And I was talking with Greg and Shannon this past weekend and they served for a while in India and of the hundred missionaries that they personally knew in India, he said only two are left in the country, two. And in China, there have been 600 missionaries that have been sent home. And so if that doesn't add fuel to your 1002 prayer, I just don't know what does. Let's pray that the Lord would bring up laborers for that harvest, but that he would provide a way that they could continue to go out, that the gospel would be spread. And so tonight, I'm asking you to write a word of encouragement to these gals. And there's a list in each of your groups of their names. And if you just write their, front na their first name on the front of your envelope, we'll make sure that we get that card to them. But let's partner alongside of our sisters in Christ.